Hey guys, welcome back to Crime Connect. Today is July 30th and this is your weekly update. And today I'm here with both Nikki and Jerusha. Hello. Hi. So finally we have Nikki back. Exciting. Yay. I know. How are you guys today? Good? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Had a good day today. What about you? Um... It was good. Have you ever watched that movie Space Camp? Is that no. one from like it's the like 80s? It's an old movie. Yeah, like 1986. No. Okay, I remember it, it so but I don't like remember it like in full detail. But yeah, I remember the movie. <laughs> I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. And um, Ava was like wanting me to teach her about space today. Even though she apparently knows all about space. Because um, <laughs> I, I sat her down and I was like, okay, let me teach you about planets then. and Because we've never really talked mm-hmm. about planets. And I said, so you know how Earth is a planet? There are other planets too. And she goes, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, let me show you Saturn. And she pulls up an app on my phone. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. And she's like, it's the one with the rings. It's like, okay, then <laughs> I don't need to teach you that. No, she's educating you now. I know. It's scary. So we watched Space Camp, and it's a really good movie. Um, but the coolest thing about watching it now, like, kinda, it must be, I don't know, probably like 20 years since I've watched it. But Joaquin Phoenix is in it when he was a kid. And um, uh, Leah Thompson is in it. And uh, somebody else is in it, and I forgot. But it was really cool to watch it and be like, oh, my God, I watch these people all the time. (laughs) Highly recommend it. Other than that, our day was boring. Yeah, I had work today, so that kind of sucks. But I got to see The Lion King. Oh, yeah. How was that? Oh, it was amazing. I cried like five times, but it was really, really, really good. (laughs) It was good. My husband was like, are you crying? (laughs) I thought I was going to cry, but I I didn't. No crying. I cried like a baby. It's okay, though. I really think they did a good job with Pumbaa. I think they did a good job with with most of it. Really? Yeah, I heard like like they got a lot of flack for Timon because he was ugly. I don't know why. Huh? Uh, well, He's, that's the warthog, right? That's Pumbaa. Oh, Pumbaa's no, Pumbaa the is the okay. The it warthog. was Pumbaa then. Yeah. Pum- Pumbaa yeah. was the one that that like everybody was upset about because he was ugly, and I'm like, it's a warthog. What do you think they yeah. look like in their life? He looks yeah. like a warthog. <laughs> <laughs> he looked just yeah. like a warthog. It's <laughs> a warthog. Right. What is, right? Yeah. No, it, I think they did pretty good in following along with the movie. I kind of missed the part, though. You know, in the cartoon yeah. where they dress up Timon and Pumbaa and, like, he puts on the mm-hmm. hula skirt and yeah. they put the apple in his mouth and stuff. Oh, I was, I was yeah. totally expecting that in this movie and they didn't do it and so I was pissed. <laughs> I'm gonna warn you guys now, though, that I'm going. I might squeal because there is a mosquito in here, and if I don't kill it, it's going to kill me. Survival of the fittest. 
Don't let the mosquito win. <laughs> it's hovering over me. Anyways, okay. You gotta put some lemon. I burn or I use the Scentsy lemongrass, coconut lemongrass. In I have my a house. citron candle I just got from Gold Canyon. I am gonna light it. Oh, there you go. That'll mm -hmm. work. So we have some stuff to go over this week. Um, we're gonna start with Ali. Um, Ali Costio. Did you guys see the lawyer that Brandon Thiesfeld hired? Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm a little worried. I am too. Everybody could, you could say till you're blue in the face that all the evidence is there. It could be nobody else. This is a slam dunk case. But we know that in court, that doesn't, it doesn't always happen right. like that. Right. Um, and like, I think it was either today or yesterday, um, I referenced the Casey Anthony case because none of us thought that they were going to return a not guilty uh -huh. verdict. And that's exactly what happened. So, Thiesfeld has hired um, Tony Faris, and he is in a law firm with his brother and his dad. And the law firm, not necessarily Tony Faris, but the other lawyers in the law firm are responsible for some really high-profile cases that they were able to um, either get their clients off or have them um, serve very little time, mm -hmm. basically. So everybody knows, well, I assume everybody knows because I know about it, um, the Mary Winkler case, which is super famous for the battered wife syndrome. Um, and if you guys, are you guys familiar no, with that one? No, I'm, I'm going to look it up. But well, you keep talking. You've never heard of that I one? might have. Okay, so Mary Winkler, this is, I don't remember the year, but it was way back in the day. Mary Winkler shot her preacher husband. Oh, yeah. I think with a shotgun while he was sleeping. Their defense was that he was abusive and she was suffering from battered wife syndrome where, you know, she, this was her escape, basically. Um, not something I necessarily disagree with, by the way, but... The craziest thing is that she was charged with murder and they defended this case so well that she was only actually convicted of manslaughter. And when she actually got sentenced, by the time she was sentenced, she only served 67 days after that. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then their other one, which I don't think is as well known, and you could read about this on their website, and then I went and looked it up a little bit more, was the Tennessee versus Peter Nicholson. And this was a white police officer who shot a black unarmed teenager in the back of mm. the head. And all the witnesses around them said... That the teenager had his hands up. He was unarmed. Um, there was no struggle. And there's no evidence of a struggle. They Another officer had him 
basically at gunpoint, like, so it was secured. Mm -hmm. And this officer, Peter Nicholson, walked up to him, aimed his gun, and shot him in the back of the head. And they were calling it, like, a straight-up execution. Um, The officer even admitted he did it, but he said it was an accident. (laughs) So he doesn't even claim that there was a struggle or anything. He just claims that, you know, the gun went off and total accident. He was convicted, um, originally charged with murder, but only convicted of criminal negligent homicide, and he only received one year probation. That's it? And his record got expunged. Yeah, his record got expunged, too. So that is absolutely insane. Yes. And there's more cases, too. There's one with pilots that was a little bit... um, a little more complicated than what they put on the website. And there's um, a city confidential episode on it called Memphis Burning. I don't know, but I was trying to find it everywhere online to watch today so that I would have more information and I couldn't find it. But basically, a pilot husband was accused of killing his wife, burning her body in their vehicle, and he... Did not. So this one, yeah, this is the one that I've I found the craziest because he he did he took her body in the van, burned it. Fifty witnesses testified, and the jury brought a not guilty verdict in less than an hour. Mm -hmm. And I think this one was tried by Steve Faris, and I read in the closing arguments that. They were calling his girlfriend, who used to be the nanny for them, um, a witch. And basically, like, you know, just being very animated in the courtroom and saying, this is the witch that did all of this Mm. and that type of thing. It's really insane. Well, that guy, uh, so his name was Michael Mullins, and he ended up, they had put him Mm. on unpaid suspension during all of the the trials. But he ended up being reinstated Mm. with back pay. And he is still employed there. Yep. Are you kidding me? And he actually owns he actually owns a skydiving place now. And if you Google his name, if, I think if you Google Michael Mullins murder, you can see somebody actually called him out saying that this is who you're skydiving with and this is what he did and blah, blah, blah. And there are tons of people it's defending crazy. him. It's crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But see, that's what's so scary about these attorneys, because you look at some of these cases and mm-hmm. I mean, this person, 50 witnesses said that they saw something. This, his wife was burnt, mm-hmm. like charred in his van and he just, he walked. And so it's like, even with all of the evidence that they may have with Allie, it's, I'm honestly, I'm really worried about this with those attorneys. Mm-hmm. There was another case, and I forget the name, but there was another case where they had somebody um, arrested and trying to scam an undercover FBI agent or something like that. And they had informants testify, FBI agents. They had a signed confession. They had recordings. They had all the evidence you would need to convict somebody, and that guy got off. So the prosecutors in this case are going to have a really rough road 
no matter what evidence they have, they're going to have to make it solid and make sure there is absolutely zero doubt. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Well, then I guess it'll be interesting about the the um, the video that they have of the two of them together and how they can talk them out of that. I, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if they can talk people out of everything, then... Well, I guess it... It would depend on what time the video was. I know it was obviously after she left home and before she was found dead. But if there was any amount of time in between that video and their time of death, then, you know, you have a window where he can say, oh, no, he he right. left her somewhere, you know. I left her at this place and somebody else <sighs> must have done it, that type of thing. It's scary. Yeah, it is. So her case file has been sealed and it's going to the grand jury, which is typical. Um, The next grand jury session, and I believe it's the last one of the year, is at the end of August. And we don't know if they'll, they'll put it in that session. I assume they would. So also, we had that Daily Mail article come out today about Alan. Mm-hmm. Where it claims that she was pregnant. Yeah. And a couple others have come out now, I think, after the Daily Mail article. You know how that goes. Yeah. I think they're just quoting them. Yeah. They're like all regurgitating their But own they're info. really using the same info, isn't it? Isn't it? It's just that, that everybody was talking about the fact that she was pregnant? Well, the Daily Mail actually says they spoke to her friends. So, like, they had supposedly people talk to them and tell them. Yeah, that's what I was reading, that they had friends and Mm -hmm. um, people from her sorority were talking about it. Yeah. And this is something we have heard already. Yeah, I know the New York Post was the one that I was reading that came out after the Daily Mail article. But and they called they called him her love interest, which I didn't really. I I thought that was a little bit. Um, I don't know. Not. It kind of made me gag. About her murder. Yeah, yeah. They called Brandon her love interest and said that he was upset that she was pregnant. <sighs> yeah. Um. So the Daily Mail, obviously, it's very um, controversial whenever a Daily Mail article is posted. I will say that what we have found covering cases is that a lot of times in U.S. cases, the Daily Mail gets the information right. They report it earlier than other sources or news outlets, but a lot of times they do get things right in U.S. news stories. There's a reporter that's covering the case that also covered... Do you remember the Jessica Chambers case? Yes. So this reporter covered that case really well. Her name is Therese Appel. And so I've been following her a lot because um, she was recommended to me based on her coverage of the Jessica Chambers case. And when she posted last week, that Allie had been shot, and she had confirmed this with her sources, that Allie had been shot in the stomach and torso area only. And somebody had asked her, why do you need to post that? Like, you know, 
it's kind of some sort of information. Why do we need to know? And she said back to them, um, or their, their message was, I don't know why you needed to post that. And she said, I know, but you will soon. Mm-hmm. So I took that as kind of confirming the rumors that she was pregnant because why else would we need to know that that location of her body is relevant? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I've also seen from another reporter who I think was a student reporter said that they had seen the rumors as well, but that most of them were respecting the family and keeping her privacy now because they didn't want it talked about at this time. Right. And even the coroner said that. Mm -hmm. Which I get, you know, they're, they're grappling, the family's grappling with a horrible murder and possibly, you know, a pregnancy on top and possibly stuff that they didn't know. It's a Mm -hmm. lot. And it's already in the news a ton. It's not something that we need to know. We're going to find out when all of this, you know, goes to trial anyways. So that is our alley case. Moving on is the garlic festival shooting. I hate that. I am so tired of these shootings and the fear and the anxiety, you know, of every time you go out wondering what will happen because I rarely go to the movies anymore, even though we we try to um, during the day. I don't go at night, but we do go to food festivals all the time, and it really is like you just can't go anywhere anymore without worrying that somebody's going to start shooting. That's exactly right. I know it. You know, it started with um, more of like the concerts and the big music festivals. And for mm-hmm. it to come to something like this, I mean, even one of the victims was a child. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane that you have to worry about stuff like that, just stepping out of your door and living your daily life. Mm-hmm. And um, just a heads up for listeners, we will not be naming the suspect. It's something small that we can do to try and, help prevent more shootings. Um, and there's a movement called the No Notoriety Movement, and you could find out more information on that at nonotoriety.org. Um, but their idea is that if you don't name the suspect or if you absolutely have to, you only name them once um, and you focus more on the victims and focus more on the personality profile that led to the shooting then they don't get, you know, all this notoriety that shooters get because they're talked about for days and weeks and their lives are delved into and um, their names sometimes become household names. And the theory is by psychologists and people in the media that this can create copycats and, and inspire more people to do it. So we will not be naming his name. No name. Nope. I know they were talking about this on the radio uh, this morning, actually, because the band who had like just started to play, I think, um, they said, I guess it was the lead singer maybe that had said they had just gotten up there 
uh, started to hear shots mm-hmm. fired. They jumped under the stage and they heard um, that that famous phrase, why are you doing this? And then the, the gunman said yeah. that he was really angry. So they heard that and then that mm-hmm. was reported in a, in a lot of the articles that I've read too. Yeah, so this happened, today's July 30th, a Tuesday. This happened on Sunday, on the 28th. Um, this garlic festival is super popular in the area. And I think they say they some 100,000 people show up. It's a three-day festival. They have like the Guinness World Record for most attendees at a food festival. So it's big. It's a it's a big size. And it's super family friendly. Bounce houses, balloons, face painting, that sort of thing. So there's lots of kids there. Um, this was on the last day of the festival. It was almost six o'clock when the shots started firing or shots started. Um and yeah, a lot of people reported hearing, like you said, somebody asked, Why are you doing this? And he said because I'm really angry. And I just, I, I don't know what, I get angry. You right. get angry. <laughs> you know, we all get angry. And I don't understand where's the, the jump to I'm angry to I need to go take this out on innocent right. people. I don't get it. Um, the suspect had posted before he started this, he posted on one of his profiles, a book encouraging people to go read this book called might is right. And the book was published in 1890. So it's a very old book, but the book in it tries to justify racism and slavery, colonialism, the whole basis of the book is that people of color are biologically inferior. So this was kind of the last thing he wanted people to see of him. So I don't, is he so angry at, you know, the, the state of the country? Because, you know, we all know that in a few years, this country will not be majority, majority white anymore, which is not a bad thing at all. And some people can't seem to handle that. And racism is obviously on the rise for a lot of political reasons. Um, is that his motive? Right. I don't know. Because he, I don't, he, as far as we know, he didn't leave any sort of manifesto or letter or anything. His family actually, he comes from like a family of athletes. His brother is actually training for the Olympics. And everybody around him thought he was a good kid. And I believe he's like 19, I think. Um, They actually thought when they didn't hear from him after the shooting happened that he had been shot and injured in the shooting. Like there was no even inkling of an idea that he may have been the shooter at all until they were actually told. So I don't know what was going on in his head, but the FBI said they're going to look into all of that, the ideology of him and stuff like that. My opinion is that we kind of already know 
it's the same old, same old yeah. type of thing. Well, it'll be, it'll, I think it'll be interesting to see what does come out about it. You know, like the Las Vegas shooter and mm. everything that came out after that. I, I think with this one, it'll be, you know, pretty interesting. And um, I did note that when they were talking about the weapon that was used, they said that it, it was illegal in California to buy or to even have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they said that he actually ordered it online. Yeah. In Nevada. Yeah. But I think he actually picked it up in person. Like, he placed the order online, but he went and picked it up in person. Yeah. Yeah. And the shop owner there said there was nothing about him that set off any flags. Right. Right, right. And he he said that he, he was heartbroken and would never sell yeah. a firearm to anybody who acted wrong or looks associated with any bad group like white power. Mm-hmm. It'll definitely be interesting to see how open he was about his feelings. Mm-hmm. Cause that's always my thing is some of these people are really open about their feelings, like really open about their hatred, about their love of violence, about their, um, feelings of you know wanting to act out and nothing is done by the people around them which is really frustrating yeah well and you know honestly I've seen it's it's interesting that we're talking about this because I was actually watching something on ID not long ago about um Mm. a woman who I believe it was her nephew that she was taking care of and he had all kinds of behavioral problems and she kept trying to get help and there was no help for her. Mm-hmm. So that was really scary too. And kind of an eye opener because, you know, you have to think about what is out there for parents who notice these things about their children. You know, what do you do in those situations? Mm-hmm. Who can you go to? What are your resources? Especially adult children, mm-hmm. because once your child is an adult, it's, 10 times harder right. to get them help. Right. And what are your resources? You know, you really don't have very many other than, you know, wait for something to happen and then get locked up or die. Yeah. Well, even the um, Aurora, Colorado shooter, the the one that shot in the movie theater during the Batman movie, mm-hmm. he told his therapist what he wanted to do. And because she was a school therapist, she was, like, bound by some policy not to reach out to authorities about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and hands tied, and then he just did it. It was crazy. When I, when I learned about that, which was a long time ago, but I was just blown away just by how hard it is to get help for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's horrible that, you know, that could have been prevented. So, yeah, I want to talk about the victims. Um, Trevor Irby is 25 years old. He was with his girlfriend, and he was actually on the phone with a friend when he was shot. Um, His family just has the best things to say about him. He had graduated with a biology degree in 2017. He had been an athlete, 
a member of the drama club, National Honor Society, a band member, and his family said he never said anything bad about anybody. Um, and then I just found out before we started this, uh, Jerusha told me that his father actually lost a child 25 years ago. Mm. And now, 25 years later, they've lost another child. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Romero, six years mm-hmm. old, he was shot in the back. And he was about to start first grade this year. His mother was shot in the stomach, in the hand. And his family says that he was a joyful child, always wanting to play and always positive. I think his grandmother got shot also. Possibly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think yeah. it was his mother and his grandmother. And his dad, I think, was at home with a sibling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some interviews with his dad that are just heartbreaking. He says that they, they told him they were working on his son. And then five minutes later, they came back and told him he was gone. Yeah, that's horrible. It's horrible. Kayla Salazar is 13. She was eating ice cream when the gunfire broke out, and she actually stayed back to help her stepfather's mother, who has trouble walking and uses a cane. Um, So she stayed back to help her when she was shot. And her family says she was a lover of animals, a dedicated student, and dreamed of becoming an animator. That's so sad. Mm Mm-hmm. So these, all of them children, I mean, even the 25-year-old is a son. And all of them had such full lives ahead of them. It's terrible. It is. I also want to talk about some of the heroes in the story because sometimes that's the only thing that makes us feel better. You know, um, have you heard the Mr. Rogers quote that always comes up when we hear about these shootings? I don't think so. So Mr. Rogers said, when I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And in every case, it's so true. There's always, you know. People who jump into action. Um, There's videos of civilians helping the wounded. We know the law enforcement who were already set up at the festival jumped right into action. If not for them having stopped this guy pretty quickly, who knows how many more people would have been injured and killed. And, of course, the EMS. Um, But there's two specific heroes I definitely want to talk about. One is Wendy Towner. And when the shooting first started, she was by her booth. Her and her husband sell honey and different flavors of honey. And their booth is right next to the bounce house. So there were kids everywhere. And 
When the shooting started, she immediately confronted him face on and screamed at him, you're not going to do this. And she was actually shot um, once in the leg. And her husband saw her get shot and rushed over to help her. He was shot three times. Both are in the ICU. Um, and they were with some friends. And one of the friends, have you heard about this 10-year-old yes. girl? So her name's Madison. 10 years old, saw Wendy's three-year-old son run towards her after she got shot. Um, and this 10-year-old scooped him up and dragged him under a table and then laid on top of him to protect mm -hmm. him. 10 years old. That's crazy. That's awesome. So brave. I, I can't even imagine a 10 year old just having that like, um, presence of mind. Know, yes. In a yeah. shooting, you know what I mean? Like insane. And like, it gives me chills, but it also gives me chills because I wonder if she would have that kind of presence of mind, if it weren't for all of these shootings and all of these drills in schools and stuff like that, and, and maybe that kind of helped train her. So it's kind of a catch-22 in that it really fucking sucks that we have to have them, but it's really freaking awesome that yeah. she did this, you know. Um, there is a GoFundMe for this family that got shot, and I think when I wrote my notes, it was at like a little over $56,000, they're both have already undergone multiple surgeries. They're going to need more surgeries. I think the wife's leg is shattered. The husband has multiple injuries. He almost actually died from blood loss because his femoral artery um, got severed. So they're going to need a lot of um, medical help. Skin grafts, plastic surgery. Therapy, transportation, living expenses. Stuff like that. 56000 is a lot of help, but they definitely need more. So in the vault, I'm going to post this link to their And I just me. checked it. And right now they are currently at $59,428. So that's awesome. Great. Good. So I only wrote my notes like maybe two hours ago. Yeah, that's, that's really good. good. They've it's gained. Going up. They've earned a lot more. That's awesome. They're going to need it. And, of course, this morning we had another shooting that I'm not going to go into, it, but the shooting at Walmart killed two people. I am crossing my fingers that it'll be a long time before we have to talk about this again because it needs to stop. We're all tired yes. of it. And because I think we need to break up the anxiety um, we're going to discuss this Ethan case. Oh, God. And Nikki's going to do it because <laughs> I am so behind on this case. I try and keep up, like, I keep up with most of the information, but the little details, I have no, no clue. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so I've, I've found out about it just a couple of days ago, and it is such a rabbit hole. It just had me, um, 
I couldn't stop looking at things, reading things, going through social media profiles, um, just trying to read everything that I could on it because it's crazy. Um, The crazy part, of course, being his girlfriend, um, legit, she she has issues and, and we can get into some of that, but basic timeline uh, for him. He declared bankruptcy at the beginning of the month and they were also evicted from their apartment. Um, July 12th was the last time, the last phone contact that he had, according to a friend, his phone was blank after that and never had anything else in it. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly July 13th was the date that Tatiana said that they had gotten married. Um, but in a Twitter, no, not Twitter, Instagram post in August of 2018, she had said that again, that they had been married, that they had gotten married and that was her new husband. So, um, his mother was on online and she actually posted that, you know, that that was a lie. They weren't married. Um, Tatiana was also claiming to be pregnant. She said that that was a lie, um, which, you know, she kind of contradicted herself in, in that regard because she had different, uh, you know, as far as, well, I'm, I think at first she said she was four months along then she said she was only two months along. And, um, I have counted just from people's statements that they've given about her, people that actually know her and that have um, lived with her. And so far from what I've counted, she has faked five separate pregnancies. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, And one of the other things that, that kind of stuck out to me was that she was speaking with somebody um, at, later after she po- made her first post about him being missing, which she, of course, took down um, shortly after. But she said that they were on a bender and that she had taken shrooms. So you're saying that you're pregnant, but then you're also saying that you're doing drugs. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things. And then, of course, she um, didn't. Didn't she also claim that they underwent IVF? Yes. That was in one of her, I think it was a Facebook post um, where they had talked about a baby that they had lost. Um, she she uh-huh. called it wrong. That pregnancy was supposed to be in 2016. Um, so she said that, that that one had been lost and would always be a part of them and that they were excited about the new baby and then she said or babies because you never know with IVF so she was claiming they used IVF and and that you know it was possible that she would be having twins or you know multiples yeah and mm, okay yeah she she's legit (laughs) and then she goes and does drugs (laughs) right right because who doesn't do that you know yeah um so she claimed that they got married and then the next day, so, you know, she said that they were married for one day. So the next day was when they were actually seen at Cato's, which is a women's clothing store. Um, they spent 
$102.76 with his card on women's clothing, jewelry, and shoes. So we were kind of wondering what was purchased. I know it was mentioned that he had been seen with long black blingy fingernails, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, everybody thought was a little bit strange for him in particular. So, you know, we don't really know exactly what was purchased. There were some employees from that store that have come out kind of anonymously. Um, They provided a photo of the two of them in the store. Um, He looks relatively normal aside from the long black fingernails. And she was standing there in what looked to be like maybe black culottes. Um, a like a waistband type thing and her bra barefoot with a blonde wig on um, and can I just say something about this picture yeah. it's so weird and it's at first I was like why would anybody take a picture like this because it's not a surveillance camera it's like an actual picture right. and it's obviously like kind of like sneaking a picture of them right before anybody knew who these people were. So she must have been acting really weird for an employee to decide to take a picture like that. Right. And that's what the employees said, because I think they got a lot of flack from people about taking these pictures and sharing these pictures. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, it, you know, you're going to say, why, why are you guys taking pictures of your customer? You know, but that's what right. they said. They said that she was acting very strange So it kind of caused them to take a picture. Um, And then also they said that he had asked for a trash can and threw away a bottle of Adderall. Um, And before he did that or when he did that, he said, I won't be needing this anymore. So I think they thought that was strange, too, because he had actually just gone to Kroger before that and filled that prescription. Also, who throws away a prescription drug in a public store? That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. And, and then just to say I won't be needing this anymore, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But if you go by the things that Tatiana said, she said that he had been, um, you know, obviously, she said that he went on a, like a $15,000 four-day bender. Um, so she said that he, and this is a really educated guy, right? Oh yes. Uh, successful and educated. Yes. Um, if you, you look at his profile on like LinkedIn and a couple other sites, um, very well educated. And it's really surprising to me that he was even in this situation. I mean, declaring bankruptcy and losing your home Mm -hmm. with her saying that he was on a bender, you know, I, I do believe that you know, possibly he was spending a lot of money on drugs, but I have a really hard time believing that it was something that he was doing by himself or something that he even was doing before he met her. Mm -hmm. I just from the things that I've seen about her and the things that her friends have said and other people have said online about her, um, pretty much everybody that knows her says that she is bad news. And, and really, I mean, she's, she's crazy. And I hate that 
she just kind of disappeared after this one post and supposedly went to the hospital. Um, and then, you know, was talking to people saying that, you know, kind of giving more information about what happened. She was telling them about these drugs. She said that Sunday he was not on drugs, but had been coming down. So he was kind of anxious and, um, she said that he had a manic episode. So she kind of blames it on that, I guess. And, you know, her whole story was that she stepped away from the car for a minute. He freaked out, ran around um, to a bunch of different, you know, the car wash and different bars and stores looking for her. And looking for um, a a really skinny girl, right? (laughs) A a very, very skinny girl with white hair. She had to put that in there. (laughs) Yes. Well, and, and it was, it was, said that she had been diagnosed previously with an eating disorder. So Uh I think that's where that comes in. Um, Her wanting to describe herself in that way. Yeah. But she said that he, he was looking for her. Um, She mentioned an embankment, which um, I think she said that a few times, which was a little odd. Uh, She said that he, he thought that she had fallen down this embankment and, and looked hurt was what she said, which was strange because how did he know she looked hurt if he hadn't seen her? Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I mean, she kind of made him look like a crazy person. She said that he was walking around saying um, things about uh, like God and angels and stuff like that before, like when all of this happened. Um, she also said that they they were asking about GPS or or maps on the phone. And she said that the map ended where they got in a fight or where they fought. But then later on in that conversation, she says that they, there was no fight um, and that he was really just raving kind of like a lunatic. So she kind of contradicted herself again there. Um, She also said that he was seeing a psychiatrist, but that she did not think that he was depressed she also made the comment that the police seemed to think that it was a suicide. Um, her specific words, see, this was on July 17th. She said that the police think it's a suicide uh, and that they think he ate the Adderall bottle. And this was, of course, before anybody was found or anything else. Which is weird because... Based on the whole post that she wrote, you don't get suicide from that. Right. So if she told the police what she told the public, why would they think suicide? Right. Yeah, it's all a little strange. And then considering, you know, um, so that they found his body on the 29th at 1022 a.m., according to the report. And he was actually found down on an embankment behind a gas station. Oh, he was. Yes. Yes. So that, cause remember we had talked, um, before and I, and we had thought that the embankment was weird and that we thought maybe he fell down the mm-hmm. embankment. And so she was like, kind of put that in her story. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, they actually, police went to that gas station to request video footage. 
Uh, they got the footage and then came back again to do a search and ended up finding his body then down that embankment. And that was supposed to be just a few miles down from where they were last seen. So very close, um, very strange that she mentioned the embankment and that's where he was. And I just feel like, you know, his best friend, Phil, has has posted publicly um, asking everyone to screenshot any and everything that they can find from her social media. So it's very obvious that he believes that she had something to do with this. So. And one other thing I wanted to point out just from reading some of this stuff that she said, um, you know, she was talking about going through the map, the map thing on his phone, which to do that, you have to be able to, you have to have a password to be able to get into somebody's Mm -hmm. map. So she obviously was able to get into that. Um, Then she said that he had, she was talking about his phone and she said she had a friend that worked, I guess at the cell phone store that helped her get into his emails and she didn't see anything there. So she's had access to his email, to his maps. And then she also mentioned that he had gotten paid three days after he went missing and hadn't touched any of the money. So she also has some form of access to his bank account, Mm -hmm. even though she had stated that they'd had separate bank accounts. Yeah, she's got her claws in deep. Yeah, she's doing some weird things. And I've noticed myself just when looking um, on Facebook that, you know, I know we've got a list of the profiles that she has with social media. And she's got a few Facebook profiles, but they keep popping in and out. So it'll be online, you know, for a few minutes. And it's been locked down since all of this happened. But the, the profile will be up and then it's like she she goes dark, she deactivates or, or whatever. And then she'll come back and then she'll deactivate again. So I don't know what she's doing um, other than just trying to scrub everything she can from her social media. But little does she know everybody has screenshots all over the place. So my theory has always been um, that when you're dealing with unstable people, like she seems to be, and something like this happens and they have a crazy story. I always find that there's some truth in that story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a little bit of truth and then they kind of snowball it into this insane story. Right. So I always thought that he probably OD'd on whatever they were taking. And she freaked out and didn't know what to do. Um, I do kind of believe the story of him talking about angels Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, and it may just be like personal experience. Um, My mother who she passed away like eight years ago. um, One night we were in Key West and we were back at the house for the night, and she had been drinking all day long. And um, she may have been on some medication. She has some health issues. But she spent a good, like, two hours um, talking to God 
and she thought this large rock was a sponge <laughs> and that that sponge was talking to oh, her. Oh, boy. And going through her whole life and all the mistakes she made. And it was wow. insane. It was – and she didn't take anything, like, recreational or anything like that. Just like- um, she was terrified of, like, of like marijuana she wouldn't even touch, right. you know? So just like um, prescription medication mm-hmm. mixing with the alcohol. And, and alcohol. Yeah. yeah. And it was surreal. And I could, obviously couldn't sleep because I needed to keep an eye on her. And um, at the time I thought it was funny because I was like 14 or 15 or something like that. And um, she wasn't like in that in a hysteria or anything, she was actually laughing, but she was a hundred percent sure that, that this rock was talking to her about her life. So that rings true to me, you know, like I feel like they mixed something or he had a bad reaction to something. And, um, maybe she was trying to, um, get him back in the car and somehow he ended up down this embankment and she didn't know what to do. Right. Well, and, and if she had been, you know, she was really messed up too, you know, there's a good possibility Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe they did get separated at some point and then maybe, you know, maybe she Mm -hmm. really didn't know exactly what happened, but just from the way she's been acting, you know, I have a couple of different theories. I know I told you I'm kind of, I'm kind of caught in between a few different theories and it's just based Mm -hmm. on things that I've seen and just, you know, some of the things that have come out, uh, my, my mind is kind of torn between, like you said, an an accidental overdose that she knew about and, you know, just got scared, tried to cover up. Um, And then my other theory that I've been thinking about is maybe some sort of a suicide pact. Um, And the Um, only reason I really think that, I mean, you know, obviously at this point, there's nothing to, there's nothing hardcore to support it. But, you know, if you just look at everything that we actually know, like the facts, um, which is, you know, like the bankruptcy and the eviction and, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to think about it. You got a crazy ass girlfriend who's pretending to be pregnant every time she turns around um, you, you've lost your house. You, you have no money, obviously. Um, well, I mean, I can't say that he wasn't doing well at work, but I mean, think about it. He's out on a four day bender. Supposedly he, he must not have been working at that time. So, you know, I I can kind of see where, you know, people get in that mindset, Hey, you know, everything in my life is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, the fact that he went and got a prescription and then took it and, and made it a point to throw it away and say, I won't be needing this anymore. That almost mm-hmm. sounds kind That's of true. final, like him saying, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to need this because I'm not going to be around. Um, so that also, you know, kind of makes me think that. And, and she's tricky. She's a, she's a tricky little thing um, from, she could be another Michelle Carter. Right, right. She's like, very tricky. Maybe she convinced him. Exactly. 
you know, we love each other. Let's go out together. But she had no intention of doing it. Right. Or, you know, and even giving her the benefit of the doubt, let's say she maybe she did think she was going to do it and then just chickened out. Either way, um, you know, if, if that is what happened, then she was a part of that, a part of him possibly committing a suicide. And then she obviously doesn't. And in both scenarios, whether it was an OD or a suicide or something else entirely, you know, the first thing she does is go and check herself into a mental hospital. Hmm. That itself also leads me to believe that she knew something or was involved because you almost, it almost looks like she's going ahead and laying the groundwork for an insanity plea. Mm -hmm. You know, she's, she's went, she's checked herself in. Doctors are saying supposedly that she um, is, is too weak mentally to leave. Um, Mentally fragile was her term that she used. So it's, it's, there's just a lot here that, seriously it's a rabbit hole I kind of predict that there will be no criminal case in this case I that's how I really feel and I not to say that she didn't do anything wrong but I don't think they'll be able to prove any actual like criminal action against him right. you know what I mean well, I think um that's just my feeling yeah I agree especially if it was an overdose of some sort um mm-hmm. I think probably the footage that they saw to that kind of made them go look and find the body. Whatever was on that footage may give a little more information or at least, you know, at least they would know if she was with him when he went out to that area. Because if she was with him when he went there, then obviously she knows more than she's letting on because she claims that they had gotten lost. Um, But yeah, this one's still kind of fresh because he was just found and identified um obviously the autopsy's not done yet so i think there will be more to come on that but i and this one is hard because there are no reporters covering this right there's no news station there's not one article i don't think on this case there and and in the beginning of this case the the internet went crazy because people were saying that these like these people didn't exist this was a hoax um you know, mm-hmm. and like they they went wild saying that this was just like these people were make make believe like they were all made up. So yeah, yeah it's been crazy. I think it wasn't really until his mother started posting, and, and people could could see that she was a real person. You know, and then then it was like, oh and wow, and when the call what the hell going on here? The colony <laughs> police report on Facebook also. I think they were like, yeah. okay, well the police are looking for him. Okay, now. Now, you know, we know he's real. But the police also said that they did not think foul play was involved initially. So we do have a group for this case. It's called Ethan Redland Disappearance and Case Discussion by Crime Connect. And as always, you can go to our Crime Connect page. So we have an update in the Canadian manhunt. Um, These are the Canadian highway murders slash manhunt. Um, Still ongoing because they haven't found them yet. They were, there was a sighting reported yesterday in York Landing, York Landing, Manitoba, which they're now saying is unsubstantiated. And they still believe that they're in the Gillum area. Um, they're not ruling out that someone may have inadvertently helped them escape. 
So were you able to see anything about um, Briar Schmigelski's father? No. In his book? So Briar Schmigelski's father um, decided to start promoting a book while his son is on the run. He says he wrote this book a while ago, but he's promoting it now. And it's, it's pretty disturbing because it's about the last 10 years of his life. And it doesn't really mention his son at all. Um, but he's really putting it out there. It's 131 pages. He said he wrote it when his soul was drunk, which I don't know what that means. I have no clue. Um, and he talks a lot about how the Canadian Red Cross gave his father AIDS. Um, he goes into details about his divorce and his custody battle. He calls his ex-wife Hex. So he doesn't like her, I don't think. Um, and it's just a very odd thing. This is the same guy who last week basically said rest in peace to his son because he knew he wasn't going to come out alive. Instead of like encouraging him to surrender, he was just like, rest in peace. Sorry, it had to be this way. Right. He was the one that said that he didn't think his son would come out alive like he thought it was a like basically said it was a suicide mission yeah 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 so i think based on this we could sort of see that his son may not all be stable either i mean we already know based on the murders and that sort of thing that something's not right but i think it goes way deeper right well a lot of times it does especially with kids yeah so they're still searching. Um, it's it's a pretty. I mean, they went door to door in Gillum, looking houses, looking sheds, talk to people. Um, so it's a it's a really big manhunt, um, and I am keeping a very close eye on it. Um, I do have an update also on John Wooner, which I don't think we've talked about on the podcast, but we do have a thread in the vault. Um, John Wooner is a city manager for the city of McFarland, California. And um, that's basically near Bakersfield. Um, He went missing May 14th. He was last known to be at a cemetery and he just disappeared. Literally no leads on him. No reason why he would have been missing. There were some rumors that got started that he stole money from the city. None of those were ever confirmed. On July 27th, his, well, not a vehicle was found that matches the description of his vehicle in a river 11 miles away from the cemetery. And basically the river has recently dropped three feet. So the car was really visible now before when the water was higher, you wouldn't be able to see it, but I saw some video of it and yeah, it's super noticeable now. Um, the car is registered to the city of McFarland And there was a body inside. They haven't said it's him, but I think based on all that information, um, it's probably going to end up being him. 
it's a really there there's a link in the vault for the latest video from the site and it's a really like steep drop and kind of a really dangerous road it would be it's a road that i would be scared to drive on because it kind of like curves and there's no guardrail and you could just kind of slip right off into the river um other than that i just have some court updates um last week i mentioned michael webb was going to go on trial this week he is accused of kidnapping a little girl in the Dallas area. And his trial has been put on hold because they want to get him a mental competency exam. Um, Ayola Ajaya, Ajayi, um, his scheduling hearing has been moved to August 26th. That was supposed to happen, I think it was yesterday. So that's been moved to next month. Jennifer Dulos got some big news in her custody case. Her mother did win physical custody of her children. Hooray. Um, she also, I think it was today, they filed new motions. Now she's going after legal custody. So right now she just has the right to keep the kids with her. But any decision regarding the kids, I think Fotis Dulos still has to have some sort of say. So now she's going to go after full legal custody. Good. Um, yes. And for some reason, the divorce case is back on. They had stopped proceedings on the divorce between Jennifer and Fotis at Fotis's request um, a couple weeks back. And they filed a motion now. They want to resume the divorce case. I don't know why. I I don't know what, what the point the, is. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You like are have criminal issues. Why don't you fix those? Put your money into that lawyer in that case instead of the divorce case. It's just very weird to me. I don't know what the end game is. Maybe it's a money thing. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Um, yeah. And then the last thing is we did learn that Patrick Frizee in the Kelsey Barreth case will not be facing the death oh, penalty. I hate that. Yeah. The only thing I really hate because I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether somebody gets the death penalty or not. Like I'm, I really um, think that number one, it's super expensive um, in states like Colorado, it rarely happens, and life in prison can be, like, a horrible way to live the rest mm -hmm. of your life, you know? Um, but I just wish they would say why. Like, all they've really done is kind of give general reasons why they wouldn't go after the death penalty, but I wish they would say why in this case they are not going after it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But speaking of, because um, I mentioned the Aurora shooting mm -hmm. in Colorado, um, they did go after the death penalty in that case, and it was denied. Like, the jury said no. So it could just be that in Colorado, it's very, 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 very difficult to, right. to do it, you know, to get a jury to say yes, death, and therefore 
they're not going right. to even bother trying. That sucks, nonetheless. Yeah. But like you said, a, a miserable, miserable time. And that's another thing with the death penalty anyway. They end up spending so much time on death row that it's kind of pointless. They'll end up, you know, they're in prison for... 30, 40, 50 years before they even get to the point of dying. So it's just like, mm-hmm. you might as well just give them a life sentence anyway. Yeah. And it it's really expensive, not just the death part, but they get more appeals and it's just a really expensive process. And um, yeah, I would, I would really, I think like somebody like Patrick would, um, hate prison mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. You know, because he's so used to being outside, working with the, the cattle, and kind of being, you know, the cowboy type. Lock him in a cage. Yeah. No more steaks and hamburgers and good no food and blue skies. No more crystal. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> Let's clarify. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I, I I would be happy with that. Like just n- knowing, like when you get sentenced after you're convicted, and they read you your sentence, life in prison, no possibility of parole. Like you know, you will die in prison. So that is it for this week. We had some major technical difficulties, and somewhere along the way, we lost Jerusha. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> She's lost. She's lost. We have to find her. We almost lost Nikki too. Um and then as soon as we were like, fuck it, just you know, I'll just do it myself because the program's not working. Then it decided to work, thankfully. Right. So <laughs> Nikki got to finish. Yay. Um, we were dropping like flies for a second there though. I know. You know, it's a really good program, but I don't know. Lately, it just, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I looked at my calendar book. I don't really see anything for the next week. Um, I think Fotis Dulos has a hearing on this Friday. I don't know, though. I think so. I'm going off memory. Um, But I really don't see anything major in the courts in our cases just stuff i will follow so we'll just have to see what happens in uh the news and in the cases and see if there's anything new i do want to just mention really quick that barbara thomas that we've talked about in the last two podcasts is still missing and no new information nothing um no new clues. She's just still missing. And um, that's about it. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for sticking with me. Uh, it's been fun as always. I'm glad I was able to come back for for one. I've been gone for a, a couple weeks here. Yes. And I was so glad you were able to catch us up on the Ethan uh, case. That one's weird. Um, so we'll keep following that Um, yeah thank you guys see you next time Bye. bye
if you enjoyed this, please join our Crime Connect Facebook page. From there, you could join our main group, The Vault. And we have so many different case-specific groups. They're all listed on the Crime Connect page. I would love for you to join us and follow us. See you there.